I'm Julia Bradley, WNBD News. Fourteen seventy one hundred point three WMBD, the Greg and Dan Show. Greg Bat and Dan Diorio. The news certainly is not lost on you. The story of Aaron Shock's prosecution is different now as the prosecutors have dropped all charges. Morning, Aaron. What's new? Well, um, I'd say it's probably the first morning that I've woken up uh, in the last couple of years, uh, you know, not being an accused felon facing 80 to 100 years in prison. That's I, first of all, good morning to you. We haven't talked to you in a long time. It's nice to talk to you. Uh, second, did you did you think about prison? Did you think about that? Um, <clears throat> well, first of all, thanks for having me on, and it's good to be able to talk. Because, as you know, I've always been one who likes to do interviews. And, and, and when you get put, a muzzle order put yeah. on you and you're told you can't do interviews for multiple years and you get to read all this nasty stuff written about you, it's kind of hard. Um I, I did. I mean, I, of course, the worst goes through your minds, right? And and honestly, uh, my attorneys never talked to me about jail. And when I went to my arraignment and they told me that I could, you know, if convicted of all charges, you face up to 80 or 100 years in prison, I walked out of the courtroom and called my lead and her, lead attorney and said, what the heck? And he goes, don't even think about that. He goes, yeah. you're, you're an honest man and you didn't do anything wrong. You're going to be fine. Well, you know, a year goes by, two years goes by. You know, you uh, you start to think maybe that's you know there, there there are I'm sure other innocent people who don't have the type of legal team that I had that could defend me vigorously uh, and hold the government to account. And it wasn't until we got the third set of prosecutors who didn't have an agenda and they looked at all the facts and go, this is no fraud scheme, this is no crime, and um, you know and and said to the world what we've been saying all along, which is the indictment has no merit. So are you are so as we sit here today uh, uh, are are in the eyes of the government in the guise of prosecutors in the eyes of people uh, are you innocent? Is that how that works? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it doesn't matter what I've been saying for two years because okay. when you're charged by a government, people people say, "Well, I don't know. They've accused right. you of this or that." When the very agency that brought the accusations say, "You know what? Never mind. We don't think that this is merit that it's meritless." Uh, that that's all you need to know. I mean, okay. uh, you know, but, they've but, got nothing to lose, by the way. Hey, by the way, they got nothing to lose going to trial other than their own uh, reputation. I've right. got everything to lose. It's right. my money i got to spend. It's your money that they're spending through this process. Speaking and of, if I lose, I go to prison. If they lose, they just move on to the next case. That's spe- the sad reality. Speaking of money, i, I got a two-part thing here, and, and one of them is kind of a rude question because I'm not sure it's uh, it's appropriate to ask you this, but I'm going to. And that is, how much money did you spend to defend yourself? And the second part is a reflection that I've been thinking about. And you kind of hit on it a minute ago. You know, you're, you're, you're a blessed person in that you did have the uh, resources to defend yourself vigorously. There are a lot of people who can't do that. You must, mm-hmm. That must not be lost on you. No. In fact, <clears throat> I will tell you that um, as we began to uncover some of the malfeasance, I looked at my attorney and said, you know, who, by the way, used to work at the Justice Department for many years and has a hard regard for most prosecutors. I kept saying, don't tell me this is an anomaly. And he goes, it is. This isn't, you know, most prosecutors don't lie. Most prosecutors don't violate constitutional rights. Most prosecutors don't alter evidence in the grand jury. And, and so, you know, I'm scratching my head going, okay, that may be the case, but 
just as there are bad doctors and there are bad teachers and there are bad policemen, there are bad prosecutors. And by the way, when was the last time you heard of a bad prosecutor in the nation being prosecuted? Never, because it doesn't happen, because they enjoy something you and I don't enjoy, and and police officers don't enjoy. And that's absolute and complete immunity in their job, which is why even after we proved that the prosecutor lied to the court, he's never been prosecuted and he still has his job. And you know that if you or I or, you know, I mean, anyone lies to a, a judge, you get prosecuted. You know, you, you go to jail. So um, has it been lost on me? No. And and I plan to try and take some of these issues to my former colleagues and say, look, you all are talking about criminal justice reform as a way to, well, gee, we should let some people out of prison early and on and on. on. Criminal justice reform starts in a prosecutor's office with, with additional sunlight uh, and oversight and putting up hurdles that people have to reach before they can start gallivanting into the far corners of your life. Remember, I left office at 33 years old, single guy. I got a couple of LLCs to my name, a few investment properties. This guy subpoenaed over 100 witnesses and flew them into Springfield, Illinois, to be, to be uh, uh, you know, in, uh, persecuted. He used over 30 federal agents for two years. Now, I'm not that interesting of a guy. Why did he do it? Because that was a high target. Because well, uh, this is my ticket to start. I mean, I gotta. I want to hang his head on my wall. There is though funds that you do have to pay back, uh, and I think they label them misappropriated funds. Uh, there's some to the IRS, and some you have to pay back. Correct. Correct. And and, and let me let me address that two things. One. I have never claimed to be perfect. I have said, when I resigned from office, what did I say? I said, we made honest mistakes. I could have done a better job of overseeing the back, the back office functions of my office. You guys know my MO. I was running all over the country campaigning for people, running all over the 205 towns that I represented. I was busy in Congress. I was in elected leadership. I was on the Ways and Means Committee. I wasn't overseeing all the back office functions. That's no excuse, by the way, but, but that's the truth. Now, having said that, uh, they audited over $20 million of transactions over eight years, okay? And they've identified $68,000 that they don't like. I'm not going to argue about it. I've said from the beginning, this has never been about the money. You, you, you find a receipt or something you don't like, I'll pay it. I'm not even going to argue about it. They audited 1,078 plane flights over eight years, okay? And they identified two plane flights they don't like out of 1,078. So I'm paying for them. But that's not a fraud scheme, okay? And the reality is, it's not what Aaron Shock has to say. They interviewed all my staff. They interviewed all my third-party uh, compliance people who did the work. And they all said the same thing. Aaron didn't direct us to do things in violation of law. Quite the contrary. That's why I had third-party compliance people. That's why I had a Federal Election Commission attorney on retainer since I was a candidate. Because I tried to, you know, cover my own butt and make sure everything was done properly. But... You know, after they spent four years examining everything about me, did they find some mistakes? Yes. But let's ask the other question. Okay, if Aaron Schock screwed up 68000 bucks, how much did it cost the American taxpayers to get us here? And, by the way, do we want to start doing that to every agency of government? Because I'm sure if we spent, right. you know, $10 million examining a, a sub-agency in the Department of Defense, we could probably find more than fifty grand that's been, you know, screwed up. 
Aaron Schock, uh, 814 WMBD, Greg and Dan Show. Uh, Aaron, I got something that is heavy on my heart today that I wanted to ask you. And this is almost coming as a guy that I've always considered you somebody that I was friendly with and, and that we'd see each other out and about. We'd chat about things. So I'm going to ask you this or ask you to reflect on, on a feeling that other folks around here have shared with me, too. And that is... And you ref- you referenced it a minute ago. You were very busy. You were high profile. Uh, we, we all know uh, how much you were in the public eye, all of that. I think there's a feeling back home here, Aaron, in the 18th District, that you left us, that you forgot us, and that you're, you were more concerned about all of those other things than you were about representing the 18th District. And we were sad about it. And then when all this other stuff happened, the legal matters that happened, uh, it just kind of added to that to that feeling. And I'm talking about people that may or may not have even voted for you. I'm, but I am mainly talking about people who were your supporters. Do you think that's unfair of us to to feel? And 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 what do you what do you re, how do you react to that? Well, I I am sorry that people feel that way, and um, I am mature enough to say I'm sure I could have done a better job and, and maybe struck a better balance. Um, and, uh, you know, I can honestly say um, if, there, if, if you felt distance between me and you or other people in the community felt distance between me and them, um, it, was not, it was not because uh, I was sitting on the beach with pina coladas. It was because, you know, I had made priorities of things I wanted to accomplish what I thought was on behalf of those who elected me. And let me just give you an example. You know, the last month of the election in which I was still in office, I flew around to 42 congressional districts, okay, in three weeks, which was more than the same speaker of the House John Boehner went to. I didn't go to 42 congressional districts because I got paid more or because um, those people didn't want me there. It was because they said, hey, he's a, a, a you know, whatever. I'm not going to say my own but I was someone of significance that they wanted to bring into the district to help them campaign. Yeah, you, you, had a na- you had a name and an image that was valuable to other candidates. I get that. I get that. Right. Yeah. So so what you have to understand is if you have someone of prominence representing you, and I'm not saying that it's me, if, if, if Paul Ryan was your congressman, if, if Nancy Pelosi is your congressman, you know, San Francisco doesn't see her much because she's got a huge job in D.C. And, and I'm not saying I'm Nancy Pelosi. What I'm saying, I know, though, is I know. as you move farther up the totem pole, it is a struggle to maintain the relationships you had when you weren't as far up the totem pole and and still, you know, and still be able to climb. And and so, it you know, as the other thing I would say is my district changed in Peoria. And, you know, I've been a Peoria guy my whole life, school board, state rep, you name it. I lost most of Peoria in redistricting to then Bobby Schilling and now Sherry Busto. That's a sad reality. I went from 130 towns to 205 towns. So I had to spend more time in Quincy because I had more voters in the southern part of my district than I did in the city that I called my hometown. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I now get had Nauvoo. You know what I mean? And so yeah. that, you know, look, in, in hindsight, could I have maybe done a better job? Sure. I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say. But it wasn't because I said, well, gee, I don't, you know, I don't need this region of my district or that region. It, you know, I, I was trying to do a lot of things for a lot of people. Okay, fair. Um, that's a fair answer. Yeah. That's a good answer. Aaron, you said that you were uh, alluded to the fact that you thought you were targeted by 
overly aggressive central Illinois prosecutors. Do you think that's the only people who are targeting you? No. I mean, there, there, there is no doubt, and we now have um, evidence of it as a result of discovery that happened in my case, that um, <clears throat> opposition research firms had been hired uh, while I was in office before any of these stories started to generate these articles and feed them to uh, an eager press who ran with the stories uh, without fact-checking, and, you know, it became a snowball effect. I mean, let, let, let's start with the obvious one. My Downton Abbey office is completely fictitious. I've never seen the show. Uh, it is a completely manufactured headline by the Washington Post. I refuted it the next day on CBS Evening News. The decorator from Jacksonville, Illinois, did an interview with Huffington Post that is completely false. She's never talked about Downton Abbey with me. She chose red because it's a period color of the Capitol. And yet every news outlet in America today, you know, Chicago Tribune, you name it, they all refer to me as the Downton Abbey congressman, and there's not a shred of evidence to it. And so you say, well, if they can screw that up, what about all the plane rides I was supposed to take for free, right? Well, there was no truth of that. What about all the shady business deals? You remember that? I bought and sold homes for three times what they were worth and all that. There was no truth to any of that. So, yes, it was not manna that fell from heaven. Uh, They were opposition research firms that were paid. We now have the emails from those people to members of the press. Um, have we traced down where all the money came from yet? No. But it was a concerted effort to take me out, and it was met by an eager prosecutor who had always wanted to be, you know, someone who could prosecute the Rob Lugoyevich or Jesse Jackson or a right. George Ryan, but he was in central Illinois. Do you want to know? Do you want to know, know, Aaron? Do you want to know who, that, who funded those opposition research, or you want to just let it go? Well, I mean, I think everybody would want to know who, I would want to who know. is shooting at yeah. from the back. But, Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to spend the next 10 years of my life yeah. uh, worried about it. Okay, let's get to this point. And then Somebody's got to have some power to drop a dime like that, though. We're going to have to go in a second, but I do want to ask you about what you just uh, alluded to again, and that is your future. Now, uh, about a year and a half ago, Aaron, I predicted to Dan and our producer, Corey, that you and Paul Ryan were going to run for president and vice president. Now, I agree with you that your arrest was a problem for me. My, my, that was going to be a problem. And I got a, I got a pizza riding on this. And when I heard the news yesterday, I called Danny up and I said, I'm, still alive. I'm back in the game. I am back in this game. So if you guys, even though you don't want to, if you could just do it for a day, i get a pizza. <laughs> so. And we have to run, or do we have to? We no, have just to say you're, you're thinking about it. You yeah. Say you're doing, and then, okay. and then the next, and then the next day, say no. Yeah. Uh, we did, we looked at it. We don't want to. What are you going to do next? Will you share your pizza? Yeah, absolutely, buddy. I'll do it. What are you What are you going to do next? Are you going to uh, uh, is home is home ever going to be Peoria again, or are you going to live in California? What are you going to do? You know, I I don't know. Um, I you know candidly. Um, uh, let me let me just address that real quick. You know, you you wake up every day in your hometown, and you're under investigation. Then you're under indictment, and you know it's like being alive at your own wake. Yeah. Right? People walk up to you. They want to hug you. They want to cry on your shoulder. They want to. They wonder whether you're a crook. They wonder. You know. And it's like at some point you want to get out of the fishbowl because you just you want to be able to live in the present, not the past. Number one. Number two. Um, when you're facing 24 felonies and you're accused of wire fraud, mail fraud, not a lot of people want to hire you. Okay. And that's another sad reality for people. And so 
you know, I had to go where people would give me an opportunity to be able to at least provide for me. Sure. Now, am I doing my dream job? No. Um, and now that this cloud has been lifted uh, and I got a clean slate to be able to move forward, I'm obviously going to be looking at what are the opportunities, what, what can I, you know, what can I do for myself, what can I do for my community and the country I still love. And um, my family's all in Peoria, and i got 17 nieces and nephews that are all in Peoria. So, um, you know, that's, that's where my heart is, but is that where I can make a living? You know, I don't know. Is Caterpillar still hiring? No. <laughs> no, no, no. They moved, they moved completely away. They're, they're not, in Deerfield. They're not, yeah. There's not one Caterpillar person here anymore, so hey, just forget that part. Aaron, one last question. You know, the MO usually in politics, and I always bring this up when Charlie Rango owed a bunch of back taxes down in the Bahamas or wherever. He's like, geez, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. The Democratic Party rallied around him. And usually the parties will say, wait a minute, innocent until proven guilty. I didn't really hear a peep much, maybe outside of Paul Ryan from the Republican Party. Did that bother you? Um, you know, two things. One, uh, people were actually much more supportive of me in 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 the party. I, I, I pulled the plug and announced I was resigning without talking to anyone. And in hindsight, that was a mistake. In hindsight... I shouldn't have resigned. In hindsight, I should have weathered the storm because the storm I weathered as a result of leaving was far worse than the one I would have weathered had I stayed. Okay, but that that's hindsight, and I can't lose sleep over it. The minute I announced I was resigning, Paul Ryan called me, Kevin McCarthy called me, and they said, what are you doing? You know, you, you need to stick this out, man. You know, this is not bad stuff. And, and uh, you know, so some people have speculated like I got shoved out of the door. But that's not true. Now, once I announced I was resigning... Uh, and then once I was indicted, obviously people go like, well, gee, I don't know, maybe he did do a bunch of bad stuff. So I don't fault public officials who, frankly, get their jobs by their own reputation from not wanting to wrap their arms around a guy who's committed, you know, uh, accused of committing 24 sure. felonies. I, I don't begrudge them. But I will say this. Um, when you've won for 14 years in public office consecutively, uh, everybody's your friend. <laughs> right. Everybody loves you. And, uh, and, 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 and I never really quite knew who. Yeah. And I found out at 33. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then so all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we'll, of, yeah, we'll stand over here while you're over there right now. Aaron yeah. Who? Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, yeah. I don't even know that guy. All right. Here's, I miss it, your call? I didn't know you were texting. Yeah. All right. Here's what, uh, here's what we're going to say. We, A, thank you for spending 15 minutes with us talking about all this stuff. B, uh, uh, Come back and see us in the studio the next time you're in town. Uh, we'd like to it. just talk about politics in general. The world of politics has changed dramatically in the years, in the very sh short time you're gone. In a very short time, everything's yep. different. And so now the game is yep. being played in a different way. We'd like your take on it sometime. And uh, the best of luck to your family. I know this has been hard on all of them here in Peoria. Uh, so we wish them the best, too. Thank you, guys. I, I always enjoy being on your show, and, and I appreciate the opportunity to not only talk with you, but all of your listeners and my former friends and constituents. So uh, I'll look forward to being back in the hot seat in the studio soon. All right, man. Safe travels. Bye. Aaron Schock, 826 WMBD. Back in a minute.